It is Thursday, March 9th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Injury concerns in the NBA. And more tickets to the dance handed out. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Jim Beheim out at Syracuse, but whose call was it? Kevin Durant does not play in his home opener after injuring his ankle pregame. Luka Doncic headed for an MRI as well, but the Vegas lead, AJ, is going to be college basketball. Yeah, a, uh, a wild day in college hoops. Three more bids handed out uh, as we're now up to 14 bids have been secured. Obviously, a few more to go, but it's a good start. The field is starting to come together. And Selection Sunday is on Sunday. We will wrap up the conference tournaments then, uh, I guess Sunday mid-afternoon before the selection show gets underway. Joining us now is the only two-time winner of the Super Contest, Mr. Steve Fezzik. Fez has been all over the uh, early line movements when it comes to all these college basketball games, consistently beating the closing number. That's the name of the game, the CLV, closing line value. In the long run, you beat the closing number by a significant amount. You're going to win in your gaming in the short run, AJ. Thank well, you. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe not so much. Are you seeing like a lot of movement, though, on these conference tournament games? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, especially if you look at these small conference championship games, it's amazing how the market just pounds the under. Um, so often, it's not unusual. You see a 150 close a 144, mm. you know, and usually the initial number is too high and the closing number is too low and the like. But, um, you know, trying to get in front of the movement, absolutely critical. I know, AJ, you got that on a uh, Baylor game, I believe, right? Yeah, uh, I gave out Baylor and I bet Baylor minus two and a half. That was on Tuesday morning, though, so or maybe Tuesday afternoon. So now four and a half, five, depending on where you shop at. So, and I'm sure by the time we get to tip off uh, 9:30 here in Vegas time, this line's going to move. So behind the curtain, so Scott's getting ready to bet Baylor because he's been busy with some other projects. And I, <laughs> I, um, he he looked at me. I, I was about to like you know reach on over and give him the choke slam, Undertaker style. It's like if you didn't bet Baylor minus three, I think you better just let it go. Well. It's already been bet, so <laughs> let's, let's go Bears, the cocaine Bears. Uh, Fez, I want to ask you about a betting strategy when it comes to these conference tournaments. And there's been a lot going around the, uh, the, the gambling Twitter world and whatnot. But the idea of first half unders, not just in the NCAA tournament, not just in these conference tournament games, but specifically in the early start times, and a friend of mine, Adam, has been tracking the early start times. He goes 2 p.m. Eastern or earlier. That's his cutoff. I would say, you know, no, like the, the noon games, I would just look at those noon games. But that includes the noon games and maybe a couple of 1 o'clock or 1.30, 2 o'clock starts, whatever. 41, 26, and 1 to the first half under the last two seasons. 
Yeah, and in general, pros like to bet earlier games. All things being equal, they look towards the under. Curiously, this doesn't work in the WNBA. And I attribute part of that to the fact that... Uh, women wake up earlier? Women wake up earlier. And yeah. Actually, no, women don't stay up as late at night as men do, such that there's nothing worse than like a Monday MLK day um, 9 a.m. local st- or, or, or noon local start that uh, everyone's a little groggy from the weekend, and and the Vegas Aces put up 85. Uh, yes, and and <laughs> and you'll see, and Becky Hammond run run runs with their team, but the um, it, it also half filled arenas, worse backdrops can hear the sneakers squeaking on the court. Mm. Um, there's not well, a that's frantic an point because if you look at these games in these NBA arenas, right. The the fan bases like when you buy a ticket, you get the ticket all day for these conference tournaments. So if you're not the smaller ones, the big ones usually you got there's two sessions usually. Yeah, well, I'm saying if you get a session, okay, you're getting two games at least, right? So I buy a ticket to the Big East conference tournament. I go to Madison Square Garden. I got a ticket for you know session one. So I got Providence, UConn, and St. John's Marquette. Am I going for the first half of St. John's Market? Probably not. I'll show up second half of that game because I want to watch the Providence-UConn game. And then same thing. Am I going to DePaul Xavier or am I going to go to Villanova Creighton? Um, you know, the, 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 the later games get the bigger crowd. And so. you're probably going to be sober for the first game. Yes. And the second game, maybe not so much. Yes. You'd be a little more boisterous, the, the, louder. It just seems like the energy the in the— The theory is it's only the, it's only the student section that's there. For the start of these early games. Yes, and and the more energy in a stadium, I, I swear, like, I, I don't have the documentation to show it, but I think if you did nothing but played, like, the, um, you know, uh, the, the late game ESPN um, national TV game over, you'd make money mm-hmm. on most nights where the crowd is full. So here's what we have early start times for later on this morning. Now, full disclosure, as we record this podcast in the wee hours of the morning here, we don't have first half lines. They're not open yet. They're going to open at what? 6 a.m. Eastern time? Yeah, it all depends which book puts their neck out first and puts out the first half lines, which really isn't that difficult, obviously. Just make it like the first, assume the first the half percentage. to be about nine. It's an algorithm. Yeah. yeah, it's, I, you know, it's not, it's really nine points higher scoring second half than first half is pretty much what, what it works out to be. Yes. Okay, so that's where we are. And let's, let's take a look at the early start times. So, First game of the day is an 11 a.m. Eastern time tip-off in Cleveland, Toledo, Miami of Ohio. Total of the game is 156. I think we go under first half. I think so. You you either go under or you pass. And if you like over, you probably wait until halftime and then play second half over. Yes. Second game is a 1130 Eastern time tip from Brooklyn, the Barkley Center. VCU Davidson game total of 135, much lower. Not um they didn't do any favors to Davidson, so you gotta gotta win a game and gotta gotta wheel right back before mm. uh, you even finish your breakfast to play another game, huh? Advantage that's, VCU. That's right? why VCU is six and a half point favorites. Mm. Uh St. John's and Marquette. That is a noon Eastern time tip-off from Madison Square Garden. Game total, 161 and a half. And I think we stick with our theme here mm-hmm. that we would look towards, and it'll probably be, ooh, what, like a 76 first half, right? Something, yeah, I would, I would assume that. Wake Forest, Miami, a noon Eastern time tip from Greensboro, North Carolina. That's a 157 game total. This is the one that I think is most intriguing. Big 10. 
in Chicago, Rutgers, Michigan, 11 a.m. local time tip-off. These are two teams that if they don't win, I think, AJ, you can say the loser of this game is out, is not going to get into the NCAA tournament. I think so, yeah. I think the loser's out. The winner's not necessarily in, but the loser leaves town. So right now, Rutgers is the la- one of the last four in, according to Joe Lenardi, and Michigan is in the next four out. You would think this game starts out with height, defensive intensity. Absolutely. You know, similar to like, you know, when those wrestlers would have that, you know, loser must leave town match that AJ, you know, quoted. Very rarely would you see a lot of activity or action the first couple minutes. It's such a critical match. Then again, even if Rutgers loses, we know they'll just show up to the big dance wearing masks and they'll <laughs> and they'll be able to compete again, right? But uh, yes, I you know I almost wish we could bet like a prop, you know, over under you know points in the first five minutes. Five dimes used to offer that, but um, no, first half under makes a whole lot of sense considering um, you know you got two game teams that. Absolutely need the game like blood. Also, so, when these two played just a couple weeks ago, uh, there were a whopping 49 points scored in the first half of that game. And so, I'm seeing a game total of 132 and a half. There were 103 points scored in the full game. I, I got to be honest. I, I, yeah, I like the under for the full game. Forget about, I mean, I like the first half under as well, but I like the under for the full game it's, also. It's fine to, like, you play first half under 61-ish, and you you, you have a diversified portfolio. You play 61 the, so low. It's low. It's so reason. low. I mean, can't you see, like, 33, 29? Of course you could. And, <sighs> you know, and, and also... Uh, it's probably going to be 27, 27, 29, 27. The, you know... But what can be painful is that the refs can absolutely cost you your bet because if these teams get in the bonus, mm-hmm. you're done, though, because then they start driving when they know that they're, you know, they're shooting free throws. And all of a sudden you can have a, you know, if it's 20 to 15 and you're halfway through the, the, the first half, you're, you're in deep, deep trouble. The good news is in, with these two teams in particular, both low free throw rates offensively, mm-hmm. good free throw rates defensively. So they don't get put on the line a lot. And they don't put opponents on the line a lot. And both of these teams out like seventy percent free throw shooting teams. So bottom, you know, bottom third in free throw shooting. So even when they do get to the line, you're you're not dead necessarily. Are you a big advocate of playing second half overs because of the propensity for fouls late in these games? In conference tournaments. In these conference tournaments. Yes. Yeah, in conference tournaments. Yes. And, you know, I'm Does actually. Does it matter what happens in the first half or? No. Okay. It, it really doesn't because even if it's tied, you know, all you need is a little lead, you know, any, can, any if type. It, if it's a low scoring first half or high scoring first half, does that matter at all? It really doesn't to me. The only exception to the rule would be, I would say, that if you've got two teams, like if the first half's like 20 to 19, it's a North Texas-type grinder, and it's projected to be you know, a close game in the second half, it seems like the pace never picks up, and you wind up with like a 49-46 type of final where the first half goes under, the second half goes under. Um, curiously, a lot of times when you see a blowout, you like to play second half unders. does not seem to work. In the in these tournaments, it's not unusual that and St. Mary's didn't get the memo on this, I might add. But um, a lot of times you'll see a team up by 30 in the regular season and it's really, really slow. The final five minutes game goes under. It seems like the conference tournament time, it's much more of a faster pace because the team that's down, it's their final game of the year and they just keep running up and down the court. Mm. What about any lean towards 
favorites or dogs once we get to this point of the conference tournaments. I'm talking about the Power Five conferences where we're at the quarterfinals where the favorites are, you know, coming off buys and the underdogs are usually the teams that had to win to survive to advance and move on. If it's a double-digit favorite that's rested, all things being equal, I would, if I gun to my head, I'd rather play the favorite than the unrested team that played the night before. Um, just all the time you hear, it's so hard to beat a team three times in a row. It's not hard at all. You're, you're the much better team. You're Iona. You're just going to pound you know, your, your opponent. Um, if it's less than double digits, I think I would lean towards the dog um, just because survive in advance is all, the team's motivation is just to win, not to cover. And oftentimes um, when a team gets up 12 almost and they're laying 10, it seems like they're like, all right, we just want to make sure that we win. Don't get anybody hurt. And the back door oftentimes gets open then. All right, AJ, you ready to go through the Power 5 conference games? Yeah, go through those and go through the uh, the teams that got their auto bids today. Yep. So uh, plenty to take a look at. Let's let's start with those teams that we were saying are, are locked in now to a tournament spot. And we'll start with the Southland Conference where Texas A&M Corpus Christi uh, got a win 75-71 over Northwestern State, but may have lost their best player in the process. Not ideal. Colgate, who was a huge favorite in the Patriot League, got the job done, finished off against Lafayette, who would have been the worst team record-wise in the history of the tournament had they won and gotten in. Don't have to worry about it now. Instead, it'll be 26-8 and Colgate in. They win 79-61. to and the Big Sky, Montana State, takes care of business against Northern Arizona. And, Fez, I know you liked this game because you covered both sides of it. Yeah, so opened at 6.5, closed at 7.5, and, and we get a 7-point final in the Big Sky. If you lost this game betting the side, you don't know what you're doing. Go do something else because you really uh, could have gotten at this early with the winner on the favorite and certainly late in the day a winner on the dog. Let's start in the ACC where Wake Forest got a win 77-74 over Syracuse. And after the game, Jim Beheim tells everyone, I'm on the way out. You know, it's the university, as I've said from day one when I started working here, the university hired me, and it's their choice what they want to do. Um, I always have the choice of retirement. But it's their decision uh, as to whether I coach or not. Always has been. Um, again, I've been very lucky to to be able to coach my college team, uh, to play, and then be an assistant coach, and then a head coach, and never having to leave Syracuse. Um, it's a great university. The city has embraced our team. The university hasn't offered me anything, whether to work or do anything at the university. That's their choice. Um, I was, it was great to see Mike Krzyzewski's at Duke and Roy Williams is at North Carolina. and Mike Bray is going to work for Notre Dame. That's, that's great. Uh, uh, I haven't had any conversations about that. Uh, I hope that we will. But... Uh, I've just been lucky to be able to coach this long. There's Syracuse people that were probably second-guessing their decision, and then when they hear Beheim mumbling, stumbling, 
are they're like, thank God we got rid of him. Um, it was time. I don't I don't understand this at all. It's like this this is a bad look in my opinion for Bayheim. Just go out and say Syracuse was a great university. I love my time here. You don't need to be like throwing your university under the bus. Um, I maybe I'm in the minority here, but I thought it was a terrible look for him. Yeah, I don't I don't think it looked particularly good either. But I mean, this is a guy who not that far removed from a Sweet 16. Uh, you know, that was just in 2021. Not that really, not really that far removed from a Final Four in, in 2016. So it's, I, I do think though that especially in the the NIL era and the transfer portal era, the game may be passing Bayheim by. So I, I think this is the right move for the university. I'm with you. I, like he seemingly could have handled it with a little more grace, but I don't. I don't think Jim Bayheim's known for his grace. Seventy-eight years old. You know, I don't get this, too. You're 78. You've had this great career. What is wrong with these the, these folks? Just enjoy your retirement. And this whole idea, he's like, oh, well, I'm going to be, you know, looking. Maybe it sounds like I'll be looking at other options and like, um, uh, you know, good luck with that. When I'm 78, I want to be on a beach earning 20%. <laughs> Last year was the first year in Bayheim's career at Syracuse that Syracuse didn't have a winning record. This year, after the loss yesterday to Wake Forest, they finished the season 17 and 15. So his two worst seasons back-to-back, probably time to ride off into the sunset. You don't want to hang around too long. They could be national champs. It's time to run off into the sunset. Uh, At that age, you're right. Yeah, you're right. You make a good point. Come on. Elsewhere in the ACC, Pitt. 89-81 89-81 winners over Georgia Tech. Another game that lands on the number. Yep. The the last two games did not land on the number. It was Blowout City in Session 2 and a good day for schools from North Carolina. Tar Heels, 85-61 winners over Boston College. North Carolina State, 97-77 winners against Virginia Tech. So uh, some, some bloodletting happening in the late session of ACC play. Let's go out to the Big 12 where we saw another blowout. West Virginia, 78-62 winners over Texas Tech. West Virginia, congratulations. You get to go play Kansas in round two. And Is that a tough matchup? For, I mean, they played a really good game they did. like a couple weeks ago. Not yeah, even. well, listen, I think Kansas was kind of playing out the string late. I'm not saying that it's not. Uh, repeatable, but remember West Virginia is also a very home court dependent team, mm. and this game is basically be, being played as a Kansas home game. And Kansas is still potentially playing for the number one overall seed. Number one overall seed. Yep. And Oklahoma State fifty seven, Oklahoma forty nine. Still no Avery Anderson for Oklahoma State. Uh, they get Texas tomorrow. Texas a six point favorite. In the Big East, St. John, 76-63 winners over Butler. DePaul, ugh. I had Seton Hall money line. 66-65, DePaul. Looked like I'd won at first. Uh, There's a a block at the end of the game. They call it a goaltend. Seton Hall celebrates. Everybody's ripping jerseys, excited. They go to the monitor. Nope, clean block. DePaul wins. Tears stream. Uh, and Villanova thrashes Georgetown 80-48. to 48. Probably the last game we see. It might have been – Jim Beheim's last day may have been Patrick Ewing's last day. Mm. At least it should be 
Patrick Ewing's last day. In the Big Ten, Wisconsin drops 57-65. They fall to Ohio State. Ohio State playing good ball to finish the season. Uh, Wisconsin, they're done for. Uh, this is not a bad loss for Wisconsin here. They finished the season 9-11 and in Big Ten play. Also a bad loss for Corn. Minnesota, 78. Nebraska, 75. Minnesota, who went 2-17 and in Big Ten play, eliminates Nebraska. Uh, as Fez would say, Nebraska, you have been eliminated. Thank you. I appreciate Boy, that. Boy, you know, as far as we talk about basic strategy betting, you get a crap team like Minnesota that's won one conference game all year long, and then they win a game in the tournament. That's a team that gets blasted the next game, typically. Typically so. Uh, in the Pac-12, four games last night. Colorado, 74-68 winners over Washington in the early game. Washington State blows out Cal, 69-52. Stanford beats Utah, 73-62. Utes, did you say Utes? And Arizona State, 63. Oregon State, 57 in the nightcap. And finally, we'll look at the SEC, where, Scott, it just means more. (laughs) Uh, I think everyone knows that. Ole Miss, 67-61 winners over South Carolina. And LSU, 72-67 winners over Georgia. Rather than go through every team that's in action today, we'll just burn through the top 25. Marquette, a seven-point favorite over St. John's. Uh, Miami, six-point favorites over Wake Forest. Number 14, Wake Forest. Baylor, four-and-a-half-point favorites against Iowa State. UConn laying seven to Providence. Duke, minus six against Pitt. UCLA, minus nine against Colorado. Kansas laying only three to Scott's West Virginia Mountaineers. Uh, Tennessee laying 12 to Ole Miss. San Diego State laying 10 to Colorado State. Texas, minus six against Oklahoma State, Virginia minus two against North Carolina, Xavier minus 12 against DePaul, Arizona minus nine against Stanford. We got a system play, Scott. TCU minus two, number 22 TCU minus two against number 12 Kansas State, and Creighton, five-point favorites against Villanova. So I have a question for you here, AJ. West Virginia, what seed number are they likely to get? I'm I'm not certain that West Virginia's in the tournament just yet. So I would I would hate to say that like they're in with any certainty. Um, so here's where I'm going with that question. So you just said Kansas this a nine or a ten if they were if they if they you know, barring some disaster. So which the, I think they may be past so they're probably safely in now that they didn't lose to Texas Tech. So, so this venue is favorable for Kansas. One hundred percent. The situational spot is favorable for Kansas off the bye against West Virginia, and they're laying three. So I've got the number one of all number ones, potentially, laying three against a nine seed. That shows how wide open this tournament is indeed going to be. The Big 12, this is the best tournament. Not not just the Big 12, but the big big dance dance tournament, no doubt. this This is going to be epic where we have typically we have like one seeds laying six against nine seeds, and now they're going to be laying two and yeah, a half. that's interesting. I, I wonder if like if if West Virginia was a nine seed and they won't be in Kansas's region, but if they were, would like in the big tournament, do we think they'd you think they'd be able to lay three? I don't think so. I, there's no way. 
I mean, people would hammer that. So I, I would argue there's no way they could be laying three in a conference tournament with the you know off of a bye. Oh so boy, well, I, it, you think it's a good spot then? I don't know if Kansas wants to win. Well, I, I think that, Kansas that's wants to make a business decision. That's sort of the question. Although Kansas historically has owned yes. this tournament, so that's something to look. I at I think it as looks well. cheap. It looks cheap to me. It does look cheap to me. It could be fishy, but I think Kansas wants to take care of business. Mm. I think Kansas knows that this is their building and they have an opportunity to stay in this building, meaning it, should they be the number one seed in the Midwest region, then they would play the elite, the, the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight in this same building. Mm. So the only way that they could, like, they, yes, it's very likely that they're going to be the one in the Midwest, but the you know how to ensure that you're the number one in the Big West? Win the Big 12. Exactly. Get five more quad one wins so yeah. you've got 30 for the year. Or even just maybe just maybe all it takes is this one win. Yeah. Maybe this is the one that you go all out to win because as long as you win this game, you're going to be the number one you, seed in the Midwest. You know, this is premature, but I want to say it. You know, everyone should be fired for the selection committee. And here's why. Sunday games don't count at all. No, not really. They they unless unless a team that wasn't going to be in the field gets into the field. Exactly right. So so well, then they have to. Count, it could count. Like there was one year I think Michigan State won the Big Ten and it put them like uh, it made them a one seed. Well, for every like it bumped somebody off the one line. But for every time that that happens, the what happens is is literally the committee on Saturday night says who's favored. Oh, we're just going to assume that Michigan State is going to win this game. We're going to give them the one, and they would get the one regardless. Um, they, 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 you see it all the time because there's not enough time to reconfigure all the brackets. They, they, like the games end and an hour later, they got to announce it and they want to practice everything. They just go ahead and put it, put, they, they put it down and it's a sham. And you see it all the time that a team has a great run that was going to be a number six seed. They win their conference tourney in convincing fashion and they get a number five or six seed. Like it didn't even matter. Yeah, do you want them to work on Sunday, Fez? It's their day off. <laughs> yeah, I believe it was 2012 when Michigan State won the Big Ten, and then they became a, the one seed instead of like the two seed. Mm. Like, yeah. I think that's an aberration. Well, I think I mean in this case, I think it would have to be. I, I don't even know what the scenario could be where they're making a decision like that on the last day. Like if Purdue and UCLA are both, you know, trying to win their conference tournaments, I guess that's the only way. And one of them does, one of them doesn't. Maybe that's the tiebreaker. Yeah, I think I think UCLA is the one and Purdue is the two unless UCLA goes out early and Purdue wins the Big Ten yeah. and they get the one, right? It, it does feel like for, for some of these teams, and maybe with Kansas, like – I think if Kansas loses to West Virginia, they're a one seed in the in the tournament. Do, do, do you think they're going to jack? They're going to switch Houston and Kansas up based upon how these teams do on the final weekend of play? Of course not. It's going to be predetermined. So, yeah. Friday night, they're going to take their little fingers and put and put Kansas and Houston where they need to go, and nothing's going to change after that. And then, as far as like Alabama, the the SEC tournament, like. If Alabama doesn't win the SEC, are they now not a one seed? I don't know. I, I I just have. It feels like the one seeds are kind of determined, except for maybe UCLA and Purdue. I think Friday night it's all determined. Yeah, I, I think because honestly, if you if you if you win on Friday, you're into the semifinals, which means you even if you do go out, it's not an embarrassing mm -hmm. on the way out. You know, I guess the one exception could be like is if Ole Miss beat Tennessee. And then Ole Miss beat Mizzou, and then somehow Alabama lost to Ole Miss. 
if Alabama loses to Ole Miss, I will eat my hat with mustard and ketchup. You know, I wanted to ask you about one team, not so much the seeding because I'll probably be where, you know, I'm, I'm guessing St. Mary's probably drops down to like a number six. But like in terms of betting perspective, when you see a team lay an egg that mm-hmm. egregiously in its biggest game of the year, you just lose all faith in them, right, going into the tournament? Am I, I correct? I, I do. I didn't have a lot of faith in St. Mary's to begin with because I think that they are – offensively challenged at times they rely heavily on a freshman uh who doesn't seem to want to get involved offensively in the first half of games um but what I saw with them on Tuesday night certainly changed my opinion of them but really more than anything it changed my opinion of Gonzaga like Gonzaga is like a legit threat to win the title in my opinion if they play defense the way they played against St. Mary's and they were moving everywhere they were making it hell for St. Mary's. If they can play like that six games in a row, they can beat anybody because their offense is elite, always elite. So uh, they, if they can, play, if they can defend at that level, they're a real problem. Zags will be what a one and a half, two point dog against the the best teams, Houston, UCLA, Kansas. Yeah, that's that's probably about right. I, I would say so. Th- that could be the matchup here in Vegas. It could be Gonzaga against UCLA in the. Uh, Elite Eight in the It'd regional be final. UCLA two, probably. Mm-hmm. The only team, the only By team the way, that I think be a hot ticket. The only team that I think they'd be more than a, a one possession dog to would be Houston, and Houston probably they'd probably be four or five. That's going to be one hot I, ticket here. In I town. will. T- I would take the Zags plus four or more. Okay. That, that, just, just, just my God. Well, that but tells you again, how good they are. If like, if you think they're within, if you think they should be within one possession of the best team in the country, they are a legit national title. Contender. I think everyone stinks. Uh-huh. I think everyone's a legitimate national title contender. Marquette's a, a, a contender. <laughs> Crane's Creighton. a contender. You know, the um, Duke. Duke's a contender. You know, North Carolina could win it. No, 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 no. All right. A bridge too far with the Tar Heels. Oral Roberts. Uh, <laughs> so much. That, that That's one more question for you guys. What's the worst team that has a 0.5% chance of winning this tournament? So they could. Duke. Duke. I hear Duke. I, I think it's got to be a worse I think, team. I think Duke's – no. Duke's not that great this year. But they got a chance. I'll go Indiana. I, Indiana's better than uh, Indiana's better than Duke. I think Indiana's got a, a high volatility. They could get bounced in the first round, or they could make it. Yeah, a but run. Indiana's better than Duke. You asked for yeah. the worst team that has a chance. Yes. Actually, you know what? Would you say Duke is better than Kentucky? Uh no, Kentucky's better than Duke. Kentucky's now. better than Duke. Yeah, okay. Because I was gonna say Kentucky. Kentucky's got a chance. I agree with that. Um, man. So what is there a worse team than Duke that has a point five chance to win this whole thing? That's what I'm. I'm trying to think if there is one. Uh, I don't think that there's or, or, any. Virginia. Virginia's. Uh, Oral Roberts has like a one in one thousand only, right? Yeah, I don't think they've yeah. got a real. I mean, I mean, a lot of these teams are better than Duke. How about but... USC? They stink. No, no chance. I mean, all these teams we're talking about—they stink. But like, I don't know. You have to look at. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I think Duke. I think if you're looking at, let's just say you're looking at the top twenty-five. I mean, Duke's ranked higher than Kentucky. You know, I think, I think if you're just looking at the top twenty-five, Creighton at twenty-four, 
technically would be the lowest ranked team that I think has a chance. But Creighton's twelfth in Ken Palm. Like they're they're not yeah. the twenty fourth. I think, team. and I know their odds are going to be much lower than this, but I think St. Mary's is the point of demarcation. They're they're the best team that's not good enough to possibly win. St. Mary's eleventh in Ken Palm. So like. But that's they're still yeah they need that highly respect. I think Kansas State's the best team that has no chance to win this tournament. Mm. <laughs> the best team that has no chance. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> that, the, I think the best team that has no chance to win this tournament is Tennessee. Ooh. Okay. Um, like they're they're really good, but they're not winning the tournament. Without their point guard, they're not going to yeah. win it. But are they winning today? Arizona also is in that same conversation. But are Ari- they winning today? I think Arizona's good enough to win. I think Arizona's like if they get the right draw and they get to play teams that like to run throughout have, the tournaments. They have they're a bad defensive team and they've got poor guard play. That's not things that go that, that's not things that work in March. Yeah, you're right. All right, Fez. XFL week three has coming on. If you're not listening on Mondays, I guess into Tuesday, we're putting out an episode, the Fezic Focus XFL style. How are you feeling about the XFL so far this year? I mean, we're almost at the halfway point already yeah love the xfl we're week four so we'll be 40 percent done for the regular season which is only 10 games 10 weeks and good news for you aj you're, you're giving out your portfolio of college basketball teams i'm gonna have a less diversified portfolio i'm just gonna give you out the winner in the xfl because there's only eight teams you've already got it figured out and houston is indeed going to win we're going to take them plus 225 they reside in the southern division which is extremely advantageous because all the other teams in the South stink. So Orlando is horrendous. San Antonio is bad. And disagree. Uh, uh, you know, correction. Arlington is bad. San Antonio is mediocre. Okay. So I, I have San Antonio, a below average team, got outgained by a zillion last week um, in their loss to Houston. So Houston is cruising to the number one seed where they'll get to beat San Antonio again. Uh, and they're certainly going to be like a five-point favorite, I would think, in the semifinals, and then they'll have to play a good team from the North. The beauty of this bet is that the North is so much better. Vegas stinks, but Seattle, St. Louis, and D.C. are all contending teams residing in the North. So you have three contenders in the North, only one contender in the South, and it's Houston. It's a very good chance that Houston gets to the finals, plus 225, a bargain, because the number 2 South team plays the number 1 South team, in the semifinals, we're going to back Houston already 3-0 and now. Houston has had three home games, but one thing I like is that all the teams practice in Texas, in Arlington, so all the road trips for Houston, most of the road trips are very, very modest, don't have to travel a lot. All the teams in the north constantly have to be traveling out to either Seattle or D.C. or Vegas. You can see some more travel distance for the northern teams, so big advantage for a team that gets to play right there in Texas, uh, Houston's going to win the title. And they've never lost a game. They have never lost a game. I mean, this is. I mean, they've already played another half season. They were on their way to the championship, and then now this. They, they, maybe they can't lose. Oh, they, they could lose, but at two twenty-five, would you? I mean, would it make sense to wait, like, to see them play a road and like hope that they kind of maybe that they lose this week on their first road game? And no, because everyone's going to see what I see, and Orlando's. <laughs> Going to keep losing, and oh, yeah, uh, losing the, the whole Southern uh, Conference is going to keep sucking. Yeah. So I will predict within two weeks that plus two twenty five will be down to plus one seventy five. I think that makes sense. Get it, get it while you can before the uh, before they 
assault Orlando, and the odds just get shorter. So uh, I like it. All right. Uh, Kevin Durant's Phoenix debut spoiled by a pregame warm-up, AJ. Uh, Kevin Durant with a little slip during his pregame routine. And uh, he injured his ankle. Now, he did get up from the fall and finish his pregame workout, but he did not play. And the team says that it's going to be, it was uh, ankle soreness or whatnot, but he did leave the arena in a walking boot and he's scheduled for an MRI. Jeez. Not ideal. Uh, Although, I mean, listen, I mean, it can't be that serious, but what a nightmare if they make that trade and then it is really serious. And it happens, doesn't even happen in a game. It happens in a pregame warm-up. Yeah, nightmare scenario for the Suns. I, I'm I'm gonna assume the fact that he left in a walking boot and he's mm-hmm. like at least that's probably just protection. Just, I think yeah. so. I, precautionary. I think precautionary. That's the word I was looking for. Well, Devin Booker scored 44 points. The Suns took care of the Thunder 132, 101. Uh, the other injury story in the NBA is Luka Doncic, who says that his thigh injury is not good. Uh, he left in the third quarter because of a left thigh strain. Now, this is something that he's been dealing with for some time now. It's not like a new injury, but he is going to go an MRI today to determine the severity of the injury. He mentioned soreness after the Suns game. He says he's been dealing with it for a while, and that happened maybe the second game or so after the All-Star break. The Mavericks lost to New Orleans, 113-106. He had 15 points, but again, he left third quarter. Kyrie Irving finished the game with 27 points. This would not be good, but that's why you acquire a guy like Kyrie, so Luka can take some nights off. Yeah, no doubt. So if you have a guy who can carry the offensive load, if uh, for whatever reason Luka cannot. Other news, the Pelicans, who played the Mavericks, say Zion's going to miss at least two more weeks with his injury. You know, they'd love to get him back. They're sitting at 32 and 34. At what, under point, at what point is Zion a bust? I don't know. It's very difficult if to say. If he has another season next year similar to this, where he can't get on the court, do we? is he a bust? This is the problem because when you the numbers that he puts up when he's out there yep. are, like, not just good. They're, like, the best player in the league level good. The problem is he's just attendance is part of the grade, as yeah. they say. The best ability is availability. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, that's tough. It's a tough call because he played 24 games his rookie season. He played 61 games in 2020, 2021. That's pretty good, right? It reminds me a lot of Brandon Roy. Zero games 2021, 2022. And only 29 games this year. Remember Brandon Roy? Like, was, yeah, of course. It looked like he was going to be one of the elite players. And then it's like right around the time when it, everybody was like, you know what? This guy's that guy. He just never played anymore. Uh, it's a very frustrating thing. And I'm sure the Pelicans frustrated with it as well. Elsewhere in the league, Hawks 122-120 winners at the Wizards. Celtics win. Didn't even have to go to overtime to do it. <laughs> 115-93 winners against the Blazers. Cavs get a road win, 104-100 at Miami. The Bulls, 117-96 winners at the Nuggets. That's a nice win. Jokic, 18-12-8, and eight, uh, but come up way short against the Bulls. And then the Clippers get a 108-100 win at home against 
the Raptors. Tonight, the Warriors will be on the road once again where they don't win games. But they're favored. They're at Memphis, and Memphis playing without John ja Morant. Morant. At least four more games, yeah, by the way. Yeah, he's not going to face any criminal charges, uh, but he will be out at least four more games. The earliest that he could return is March 17th against the Spurs. So you get the Warriors at the Grizzlies tonight. Also tonight, the Knicks at the Kings, where Sacramento is a four-point favorite. Now, the Knicks had a massive winning streak, right? They win, what was it, nine straight games and then have it snapped after blowing a 16-point halftime lead against the Charlotte Hornets. Now they go out west. I think the Knicks are a fade tonight how so? about that it doesn't seem like it's a good t- good spot to ride them going all the way out to sacramento uh i would tend to agree with you and the bucks will host the nets milwaukee a 13 point favorite this would have been a great game ah, right about a month and a half ago <laughs> but what's not. what's going on on the ice uh well just three games on the schedule last night red wings beat the blackhawks 4-3 wild 4-2 over the jets and the canucks beat the ducks that rhymes ducks keep losing 3-2 so we got a much bigger schedule tonight stars are at the sabers dallas minus 155 flyers at the hurricanes carolina minus 365 the hurricanes who came back to defeat the canadians in overtime in their last game they've won three straight and they got something to play for and it's it's first place because the devils are are right there with them but with the devils losing the other night as well the gap is now four points between these two. Rangers are at the Canadiens. New York minus 278. And I'm looking for a better effort from the Rangers from their last time out. They've lost two straight games. But now because of the schedule, they finally had some days off. They finally got Patrick Kane in a practice. Yes, the Rangers held a practice. So maybe they have uh, some different, I don't want to say different lines, but Maybe some different flow when it comes to their breakouts and things like that now that they've had some time to actually practice together. So look for a better Rangers effort tonight against the Canadiens. Islanders take on the Penguins. Pittsburgh minus 145. The Golden Knights take on the Lightning. Tampa Bay minus 170. Devils are at the Capitals. New Jersey minus 145. The Bruins host the Oilers. Pretty good matchup here. Boston minus 178. This has the, do I call it, potential? To be a Stanley Cup matchup, I mean, the Bruins, best team in hockey. They're favored to win. Sounds legit. Favored to win the the Eastern Conference. The Oilers, you know, they're right in the mix of playoff teams in the West. And, oh, they got the best player on the planet in Connor McDavid. Uh, The Sharks are at the Blues. St. Louis minus 140. Coyotes host the Predators. Mullet Arena. Nashville minus 165. The Kings are at the Avalanche. Colorado minus 165. And the Senators at the Kraken. Seattle minus 135. Head on over to pregame.com. Jump on board any daily best bet package or season-long subscription package. We have our uh, March Madness uh, promo going up right now at pregame.com. So you want to make sure you get the brackets from AJ or you can get the rest of March Madness from AJ and Fezzik. You go grab that. Baseball season's coming up. I'll have a baseball season-long package you can jump on board as well. Take 20% off anything you'd like at pregame.com using the promo code TIME20. T-I-M-E-20, not Drew Timmy, Time 20. Get you 20% off at pregame.com. For A.J. Hoffman, Steve Bezik, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. A.M.